It's been weeks since we've been able to say this, but finally, after a two-month hiatus, we can welcome to the Earning the Push podcast, a show by wrestling fans for wrestling fans. My name is Jack Murley. I am a professional broadcaster, joined each and every week by professional rugby player Charlie Beckett, except for the past eight weeks, where Charlie has been engaged in a battle with Australia's Wi-Fi providers. But we are back. He is back from down under. Charlie Beckett, to quote Vince McMahon when fans came back to SmackDown, where the hell have you been? Finally, Charlie and Jack are back on the podcast. I have planned that for weeks. I've been playing that for weeks. I didn't tell Jack I was going to do that, and he's looking at me like, you tits. Um, oh, it's good to be back. Oh, I've got a lot of thoughts about how ridiculously difficult it is to set up your Wi-Fi in a first world country. But that doesn't matter. We're here, we're back, and all wrestling's good. I was having a look at what when we did our last show. When we did our last show. Oh, this, this is going to be fun. It was the week before Backlash in Puerto Rico. And if you think of everything that has happened in that time, we've had Bad Bunny against Damian Priest. We've had the return of CM Punk. We've had the launch of AEW Collision. We've had AEW basically come close to selling out Wembley. We've had Money in the Bank at the O2. We've had... The Usos and uh, the Bloodline all implode. And that's just off the top of my head. You could not have picked a worse time to go. No, no, a lot has happened. A lot has happened. And um, I think our plan is just to kind of ignore that we've missed it all and just pick up where we can normally do and just look at the week that was. So let's do exactly that. Remember, here's Charlie underscore Beckett on Twitter. I am Jack underscore Mark. Oh, and Twitter's falling apart. That's the other thing. Oh, yeah. Twitter's falling apart now, isn't it? We're not we're not plugging threads for a little while. We got to see. No, I haven't. I haven't got it yet. I, I could. I couldn't bring myself. But yeah, the whole world's falling apart. But we're back talking about wrestling. Sorry, we are. So rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are listening. We are talking AEW a little bit later. We're talking the return of Drew McIntyre. We're talking about Brock Lesnar's return to Raw as well. But we're starting with WWE rocking the O2 Arena in London on Saturday with a hugely newsworthy show. Jay Uso pins Roman Reigns for the first time. In more than three years, Damian Priest becomes Mr. Money in the Bank. Io Sky wins a women's Money in the Bank. Drew McIntyre is back, but all of that pales in comparison to the return of John Cena out of nowhere to tease WrestleMania coming to London. Wow. Well, we're just getting WrestleMania, aren't we? Like we, 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 We've got to be like, unless John has gone completely off the reserve and Hunter's told him to go out and just like do a little bit of a classic whip the crowd up and John's thought nah, I'll just tease a mania unless John Cena's done that we are getting Wrestlemania which is just the most phenomenal news I thought I genuinely thought he was going to announce it there and then I thought it was going to be like in 2025 April 14th Wembley Stadium but they obviously aren't at that point yet it's going to have to be at Wembley and I think a lot of credit has to go to AEW here because I think AEW is showing it ain't hard to sell out Wembley Arena not Wembley Arena, sorry, Wembley Stadium. It really isn't hard to sell out Wembley Arena. Uh, Wembley Stadium. And we, you and I, especially I, sat here quite sceptical when they announced they were doing Wembley. And they haven't announced a single match yet. And I think I saw they've sold almost 70,000 tickets. So if genuinely, if AEW didn't, if, if the card came out and people went, that is awful, and no one else sold, no one else bought a ticket, they have succeeded in a big show at Wembley. But they're going to sell that place out. It's going to be the biggest crowd on one night since WrestleMania 32. 
it's going to be amazing. WWE have obviously seen, seen that and gone, we can't miss out on this action. And I think we have been in a drought, a real drought in the UK of the big companies bringing wrestling over here. The independent scene's been brilliant here, but WWE hasn't been here for a long time until it came at Crash of the Castle. And I just don't think we're going to see that again. I think the Saudi shows are the Saudi shows. We know why they happen. We have our issues with them. But you look at Backlash at Puerto Rico, which you haven't spoken about, and that crowd. You look at Clash at the Castle. You look at um, the O2 for Money in the Bank. There's talk of them bringing it over here. I know being over here. Obviously, you find the wrestling fans everywhere you go, don't you? I found wrestling fans in Sydney. They are gagging for a show over here. Mm. Like, I think we're going to see WWE taking shows around the world more often because they just print money with them. And the atmosphere is unbelievable. And and look, we know as wrestling fans in the UK, you can deal with with spoilers if you have to. And I guess what we're seeing is just the fans in the states beginning to understand that now. And I I, I would not be surprised. I know WWE were going in this way anyway. I think this is the first real sign of Endeavor's influence because Endeavor and UFC run shows everywhere, and they don't care. They just, if you'll pay us to come, we will put on shows and we will do it. And I think WWE is more of that mindset. It's interesting to see whether that is a, we're going to bring it here, or whether that was a call to the mayor of London and the London politicians to say, we're happy, come and get us. Because it is a bidding process. So I always wonder if there was a bit of a, we're willing, are you? And it was a call out to the politicians of London. This is why you're the adult of this podcast, because that hadn't even crossed my mind as a child. Um, but yeah, I think that that's very interesting because it's obviously as much as we just think, or I just think, oh, what a massive wrestling show, it'd be amazing. It's not that. It is a huge event for whatever city takes it on. They basically take over the city for a week, don't they? Essentially. So yeah, the, the politicians of London, the, the security in London, the police force have to be happy with it. But you can't tell me London is the the London government, the mayor, all the politicians are going to be like, the money we're going to make out of this is worth it because they do two nights. They'd sell out Wembley both nights. You'd have SmackDown at the O2 on the Friday, which we've just seen them sell out. You'd have Smack Raw on the Monday at the O2. You'd have NXT. You'd have a standard a takeover at some point when you would be huge. And also, we know all the indies come to the same city the same week. So it would be massive. Um, the economy of London it would do a brilliant thing for, I'm sure. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it'd be too hard to sell to the people who make those things happen, I imagine. Well, we saw it with the Welsh government get involved with Clash, but but regardless of why it's happened, WWE has let the genie out the bottle now. They haven't said, like, John Cena... Because what I thought was he was going to come out and he was going to say something like SummerSlam next mm. year or the Royal Rumble, but to say... Wouldn't to have your guy because WWE makes no bones. They think John Cena is the greatest of all time. So to have WWE's greatest of all time in their mind come out and say, "Wouldn't it be brilliant to bring the greatest show we can do to London?" You can't walk that back. You now have to deliver that at some point soon. I would say within the next four years minimum. Yeah, I was thinking next three years. I think by twenty twenty six we will see. WrestleMania in London. I accidentally called it Wembley Mania to you, didn't I? Completely by accident. And you were like, that's a great pun. And I was like, for once, I didn't mean to make one. But yes, Wembley Mania. Um, yeah, it's not so you like, and we're going to do it in 10 years. No, 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 you need to do this soon. So I, it's hugely exciting. Um, I couldn't believe what I was watching. I was like, you, you, I woke up. So it started at 5 a.m. over here. Mm. And I woke up at 8 a.m. and started watching. Just got up and had my breath, started watching straight away. And I just had a message from you 
that just said no spoilers, but it is already so newsworthy. And that look at the time that must have been after John Cena had just come out, and I was like, ah, yeah, this is newsworthy. Yeah, and and what I had was I was on a, a, about a ten minute delay, so I was messaging other people in the UK who were like, are you watching? I was like, yes, Cena's just arrived, and they said, and you wait, what he has had to say, and I thought it was going to be. A SummerSlam, I thought it could be a retirement thing, like the the next time John Cena loses or, you know, but uh, it is extraordinary. Uh, Your thoughts on this, please. Charlie underscore Beckett is him. Jack underscore Merley is me on Twitter. That was just one part of one hell of a show in London. The Bloodline Civil War ends with Jey Uso pinning Roman Reigns, who at numerous points in the match uh, between the Usos and Reigns and Sokoa, Reigns looked vulnerable. And not just physically vulnerable, emotionally vulnerable. What did you make of the main event? It was sensational. I know no one who listens to this podcast uh, is unaware of my love for this Bloodline story. And it just, we said numerous times, if they land this, I think it will be the greatest long-term booking there has been. And we've got to be getting towards the end here. We have to be because there is almost no Bloodline now, like, you look at how Solo Sokoa looks at him when he looks at Roman, he's panicking after the Usos kick out together. Solo ain't got much time left for Roman's nonsense. I'm telling you that for now. That boy is close to snapping. There ain't long left in this bloodline story, I don't think. Don't think they've put a foot wrong. I don't think they have. It's just sensational. Um, Hollywood are licking their lips at Roman Reigns when he wants to go full-time there because that man can act. Jesus, the emotion on his face and what, like you say, what he's putting across in non-physical acting is incredible. The match itself, because because the story is so brilliant, I think we're slightly losing focus of how good the matches are as well. Like just as a wrestling match, it was sensational. That the action was brilliant, it was non-stop. The crowd got into it personally without taking over it. The crowd didn't ruin the match, but they they added to it and just the moment when Jay Uso pins him is just the full circleness of that, like the fact that 10 years ago, Jey Uso was the first person to ever pin Roman Reigns on the um, main roster. The fact that Clash of Champions three years ago, Roman pinned Jey the exact same way by low-blowing and kicking out. The fact that it was Jey who took the mental torch at the start of this, that he now gets his moment. It just just brilliant. And you read the rumours, it looks like we're going to get Jey Uso versus Roman Reigns at SummerSlam for the Universal title. And is Jey Uso the right man to throw him? I don't think so, but I don't know why I don't think so. Like, I, I, it's just, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. This goes all the way to WrestleMania, doesn't it? This is what they're going to have to do, and for the first, not for the first time, but I was, I was very vocal after WrestleMania in saying I think this is the right call to have Cody lose if they can lay out a storyline that makes it even bigger. And I completely get it. It's 50-50. You would have had an amazing moment if Cody Rhodes had won at WrestleMania. I completely get that. I don't dispute that. I think everyone's pretty much set in their views. What I did think after WrestleMania, and I think we said it in one of our last pods, was is the storyline just going a little bit wonky? Are we losing a bit of momentum? Well, they've brought it back with absolute gusto. They, They really, really have. And I just thought, I saw some people on social media say, no, Jay shouldn't have won. Roman looked vulnerable. I thought, that's a point. That's where this story goes next. We 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 said after Mania, we need the downfall. We need the Roman Empire to crumble. And that's what we're seeing. Ro- Roman is human. That's what we now know. And there's story in Roman being human. 
Now, I am fascinated on what's going to happen at court tomorrow. I've got to get my nights right. Tomorrow, tonight, it's Friday night here. It's Friday night tonight. For Yes, tonight. I'm fascinated that I'm at the trial. I saw someone saying all they need is Sami Zayn to represent the Usos, and I just agree. I think it would just be carnage of the best order. But I think we go, I think we see Jay versus Roman at SummerSlam, and I think Roman wins. I then think we get a feud between, I think, Solo turns on him, and I think Solo takes Mr. Heyman with him because I think that makes sense. I think Paul Heyman being the advocate for Solo Sokoa moving to the next part of his career, I think works really well. But I think this ends with Cody Rhodes at the next Mania. That's where I think this ends. I think Cody wins a year later. He has his retribution match. Did you see, and I, I agree with all of that, except perhaps I, I would like my last image of Roman Reigns, maybe being Heyman walking out on him the week before Mania. Maybe, but, I, you know, pays your money, takes your choice on that. You can go anyway. Did you see Ariel Hawani's interview with Cody Rhodes after Money in the Bank? If you didn't, it is well worth a watch because Cody and Ariel are very good at blurring the lines between character and the, the, the sort of real-life shoot stuff. And they were talking about to Cody how he felt after WrestleMania. And Cody said, as a character and as a man, that was incredibly hard to take the loss, which I think is the first time he's ever acknowledged that he felt it was going in a different direction. And then he said, but they have assured me that if this goes where we think it's going to go, there will be better things on my horizon. And I saw, if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's fascinating. I've seen bits of it. I saw that and I really enjoyed his interview with the Usos over Money in the Bank weekend, which was brilliant as well. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think that's where this ends is with Cody winning it in the next way. And I think what well, they've very cleverly done, I would not have had it on my bingo card anywhere that Cody would feud with Brock Lesnar. But I actually think it's been brilliant because it is a very newsworthy feud. It keeps him busy and no one's saying Cody slipped down the card and is hurt by this because he's fighting... He's having a best of three series, essentially. We'll have a huge match at SummerSlam with the biggest, still one of the, if not the biggest attraction in sports entertainment. So they've been very clever what they've done with Cody. And I think then maybe after SummerSlam, you'd hope Cody wins the whole thing 2-1. Then maybe he can start talking about, and now I want to get back to finishing the story. But oh no, I want to say this. How is he going to do it? Now he's not on the right show because we had that draft that has meant nothing. I don't understand why we did it. I never want to talk about it again. I just wanted to acknowledge that the draft was a thing that happened and no one's spoken about it since. Can I also talk about things that have happened that make zero sense? Triple H going, we've made a shiny new title for you, Roman, to replace the other two that you're carrying around. And he's gone, I'll have that as well. And I, and I love it. Just to troll us? Is that just what they were doing? Oh, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> He just has Paul Heyman carry around the two old bots. I definitely think that wasn't the plan. I think Roman's gone, I'm doing it. I just think it's it, all these things show why the Bloodline story is amazing. Cody had a great match with Dominic Mysterio. Big. Uh, who would have thought we'd say this two years ago? The Judgment Day is carrying WWE in so many ways, including Mr. Damian Priest becoming Mr. Money in the Bank. Your thoughts on that? Charlie underscore Beckett on Twitter, Jack underscore Merley on Twitter as well. Charlie, what did you think? Damian Priest didn't seem to be many folks' choice to win the men's Money in the Bank. No, he didn't, and I, I don't mind it at all. I I really thought it was going to be LA Knight. I really did, because uh, he's very hot right now, isn't he? And... 
Um, do I think he was the right call? Probably. However, we all know heels with the money in the bank briefcase work better. And I would like it to be quite a long money in the bank briefcase hold this time rather than a month. Like, let's use this as a storytelling device. Let's really use it to elevate Damien Priest. Um, you can't say he doesn't deserve it. He's been sensational the last 12 months, especially. Like, he's been the workhorse of the Judgment Day. He's probably wrestled the most out of them. He's He has good matches. You can't question his talent as a wrestler. He's never had too much of a character before, but we're starting to see him as a bit of a badass now. And that main event at Backlash in Puerto Rico, I know we're not talking about it much, but my God, what a main event and what a crowd. And am I a bad buddy fan now? Do I listen to some of his music and I don't have a clue what he's saying? Maybe. It's unbelievable. He's just, ah, oh, that main event was just a sensation. I was, I think it was mid-flight as that was happening. I think I was in the air. So we stopped in Singapore airport. And I was just watching it on my phone and my girlfriend was like, really? Of all the things to do in Singapore airport, you're watching. I was like, but look at this crowd. Um, what else did she expect you to do in Singapore? Like, what was of all the things to do in Singapore airport? Exactly. It's only voted the best airport in the world that has a waterfall in it. But it's uh, interesting that we're going we're gonna, to, at some point, the bloodline story is, is going to be done. They, they are going to finish it. And what it seems to me like they're doing is they're setting up the Judgment Day to be not necessarily the next big thing at that level, but they're setting it off so you've got uh, Rhea with a title, Dom as the biggest heat magnet in all the wrestling. Fight me on it if you want. I don't think there's any discussion of that. And you've got Damian Priest as the potential next world champion. And it sets up Finn Balor, who is an epic babyface, to be spun away when it goes wrong. And you could easily do that at any point between now and the next Money in the Bank. 100%. I could see them turning on Finn. And Finn, Finn flicks back into being a babyface very easily because he, as a person... Is the biggest baby face in the world. He just seems to be the nicest and best person in the world. So you very easily flip that back. Um, I like that they teased the dissension of the Judgment Day straight away with the fact that Damien Priest essentially costs Finn win the title. Like, of course, that's going to be issue. You've got two alpha males, both wanting the same thing now. Damien's going to cash in on the world title at some point, and Finn wants the world title. Um, so that's obviously going to cause dissension. I like that they didn't shy away from that. What I like as well is you've got arguably the biggest heel, Dominic Mysterio, I think he is, paired up with a woman who is a babyface. You can't convince me that Rhea Ripley is not a fan favourite. And yet, somehow, that doesn't seem contradictory. And we would be banging, if AEW was doing this, and I'm a big AEW defender, but I would, I know I would be going, hold on, this makes no sense. One character's X, one character's Y. It just doesn't matter. There is no more entertaining act than Rhea Ripley and Dirty Don Mysterio, as he's now being called. It's just been organic, has it? You can't tell me 12 months ago, WWE went, well, this is the plan. They've just run with it, and it's been very organic. It's been brilliant. Shout out, by the way, to Rhea Ripley and Natalia, who had a barnstormer on Raw this week. Um, it's nice to see online Natalia getting her flowers a little bit for how good she actually is. Uh, I don't think anyone ever thought she was going to win that match. They had an absolute stunner of a match. I think I think it's on Natalia described it as one of her three favourite in her career which for just a throwaway on a Monday Night Raw is quite significant. Um, but no, the Judgment Day are brilliant, aren't they, at the moment? It's it's very, very... WWE's in a good place. Like, we've got a lot of good stories going on. We've also got, um, bizarrely, they've... I, I like that it's no longer the... <clears throat> excuse me, it's no longer the Raw Women's title and the SmackDown Women's title. I like that we've got a World Women's title and a WWE Women's title, even if that's a little confusing in the... It's, it's better than what I, we had. i tell you what I'd like them to do. I'd like them to stop calling it women's titles. Like, can we not just say 
Rhea Ripley is the world champion and Asuka is the WWE champion because no one's going to go, oh, I wonder which title it is. We know it's women's one. Like, I have a, I'm very big into women's sport, everyone know this. Like, I think if you're going to denominate it as the women's title, you have to denominate it as the man, men's title as well. And we've never called it a WWE men's title. We're not going to start doing that. To just call it the WWE title, no one's going to go, oh, I wonder if it's the men's or the women's. We know that. Uh, that was just something I was actually thinking about yesterday. It's a very pernickety, picky point, and it's not really an issue, but I just think it would be a nice thing for them to do. And, all, and also, WWE has made huge strides in, in that direction when they've, you know, the main event of WrestleMania, at least on one night for the past three, if not more manias, ever since they've sort of gone to two nights, has been the women's match on one of the nights because they are treating it at that level. So uh, I don't think you're necessarily wrong there. A couple of things to mop up from Money in the Bank. Uh, Mr. Drew McIntyre, who I think the internet was convinced that had a Barney with WWE and was AEW bound. Nope. Back he comes. Gunther in his sights. Give me that for three, four months. If you've got a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view coming up, who's going to complain against Drew against Gunther main event in the cell? Yeah, 100%. And what what I loved that WWE did so well this weekend was they kept their two surprises as surprises. I hadn't seen a single thing about Cena or Drew coming back. Not a single thing. So that was nice. Uh, those two will do some wrestling. They will they will wrestle. Um, how good, Gunther. I know I've been a big a big fan of um, of him for a long, long time. And I know I thought the name change was stupid. And I still maintain we didn't need to do it. But I'm on board now. Um, he has elevated. He and the title have elevated each other. He's made the Intercontinental title seem so important. But he seems so important because he holds that title. And I really think they're going to run him past the honky-tonk man. I think he's going to go the whole way and be the longest overholder. I think whoever does dethrone him, it's a big decision now because it's a big thing. He hasn't, he hasn't lost on the main roster. So whoever does, it will be a big push for them. And I think he goes straight from that into the world title scene. If he, if he loses it before Mania, sorry, before the Rumble, I could see him winning the Rumble. Ooh. And, um, and that would be fascinating then to see because let's assume Seth Rollins keeps that World Heavyweight Championship to roundabout uh, WrestleMania time, which I don't think is a bad shout at all if you want to establish it. Who's going to turn down Seth Rollins against Gunther? I mean, that that feels big. That feels fresh. Um, yeah. Can I just say on the... on the Sorry, on the we, we haven't spoken too much since the World Heavyweight Championship has been back. But I think they've done a very good job making it feel important. I think they've done a really good job making it feel like a title that you what you, you Jack's face says he disagrees. Um, I, I think they have, and I have a theory on what they should do with it. And I've told you this in private, or, uh, private over WhatsApp. I'm going to say it on here. Jack, I've got a secret. That's what they should do. <laughs> because um, they have linked it to the heritage of the old big gold belt, which I like that they've done. I think when Mr. Adam Copeland, better known as Edge, comes out on the Grace of Waller effect tonight. I think Edge should say that he would like the title back that he never lost because he retired as world champion. And that is Seth's title. And I would like to see Edge needs... Edge hasn't got long left. He said that. He's come out and said that he hasn't long left. And because of injuries, this has not been the run he wanted since he's been back at the 2020 Royal Rumble. COVID, the injuries, it's been a nightmare. I would love his last story to be a chase for this world title. I would love him to win it. And then him either say, I've won it and I retire. I just need to win it again and go on my terms. Or have the story of when I next when I lose it, I will retire. So every title match could be his retirement match. I think there's I think there's legs in that. And I think it gives Edge the send-off he deserves. Here's my counterpoint, and I would love that. 
we are talking about a hell of a pay-per-view and we have spoken about WrestleMania in London, the Usos, the women's match, the men's money in the bank, uh, Dominic Mysterio, the Judgment Day, and we've done all of it before we've even come close to talking about that world title. And it is not through lack of trying. They are doing their all, but it doesn't, to me, feel like anything other than a let's, let's, you know, and, and maybe have credit to WWE who've done such a good job on their other titles, but that belt to me doesn't feel prestigious. It doesn't feel like anything other than a meh, this is sort of a secondary title. It, it just doesn't have that prestige for me. Ah, I see. I just think they've done a good job in a short sense of time. I tell you what doesn't feel important is the US title. Well, and isn't Austin Theory, hasn't he just passed the longest reigning US title reign in of, however of this new this new belt, I think, of this new one, he's the longest running or something. Like he's just passed something yeah. and there's been no fun fact. And I saw at a live event uh they had LA Knight attack him. And I could see that. I think that would be a good way to get some interest back on the US title because I don't think it's the fault of Austin Theory. It just, there's so much going on and he just hasn't hit his straps really of, I don't know why we should care about Austin Theory. Do you know what I mean? I d there's nothing in his character that makes me think I've got to watch him. And that's not saying he's a bad character. That's not saying he's a bad wrestler. I don't think he is. I just think it's incredibly competitive because genuinely, and I can't remember to say this, I'm not that interested in Sammy and KO at the moment, which is madness to say. Because I don't think they're doing much. There's just so much good stuff that if you're not, well, I think in WWE at the moment, if you're not excellent, you're very easily forgotten at the moment, which is a great place to be as wrestling fans. It's just tough for the wrestlers. It's really tough for the wrestlers. And, and you know, we had a great SmackDown, but then we didn't have Sammy and KO on Money in the Bank. But hell of a time for WWE. When was the last time WWE put on a stinker of a pay-per-view, by the way? When, when did we last go, ah, it didn't really deliver? I mean, I'm going back to SummerSlam... 2020, whatever it was when Roman and um, Brock clashed and they had the tractor, that was the first one of Triple H's regime. At least since then, they've all been pretty stellar. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I, I can't think of a time where I've enjoyed WWE this much. And I'll tell you what's throwing me. It's taken me quite a while to work out when I watch wrestling in the new time frame, but I'm getting there now. Like, I wake up on a Monday morning and it hasn't happened yet. On a Tuesday morning and Raw hasn't happened yet. I'm like, this is weird because they're so far behind, but I'm getting it now. I'm understanding when I watch my wrestling. Well, we're glad you're understanding it. He's Charlie underscore Beckett. I'm Jack underscore Murley. Rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. In the time we've been away, AEW has launched a brand new show called Collision. CM Punk has returned and had his first in-ring match since uh, the brawl-out debacle. AEW All In now looking like it will be the biggest grossing show, as we mentioned at the top, since WrestleMania 32. And yet, and yet, and yet, AEW doesn't feel hot. Now, I don't know how I can say that when all the empirical evidence is this is a really hot product, and yet it doesn't have that oomph to it. Am I wrong in thinking that? No, and I think, I genuinely think they are falling foul of just how good WWE is at the moment. Like, I don't think AEW is particularly bad, and I want to get into MGF and Adam Cole being tag partners because it shouldn't work but it is maybe one of my favourite things in wrestling at the moment after Bloodline. I am loving it. But AEW is a must-see at the moment. Like, I think I saw the um, the viewing figures for the first three collisions and they've lost almost half their viewers. Yeah. And that's not great when that's your show that CM Punk's on and they're throwing MJF on there, they're throwing everything at that. And I just, I think there's a lot of wrestling 
And like I just said, if you're not excellent in WWE, you're falling by the wayside. I think if you're not excellent in wrestling at the moment, there, there is so much excellent stuff that if you're not, then we don't need to watch you. So I know, for example, all I'm watching in AEW at the moment is MJF and Adam Cole. And that is because I love Adam Cole. I want him to win that title. And they're brilliant together, these two. They've got great chemistry. Apart from that, I won't lie. I'm quite busy over here in Australia. I'm not picking up that much AEW content. My God, I'll watch CM Punk Samoa Joe this weekend, though. Don't get me wrong. I'll be watching that. But that's because it's CM Punk Samoa Joe. Who the hell isn't going to watch that? Mm. But if it's not that sort of thing at the moment, there's so much that is must-watch that it does get lost. I think what's happening as well is, and we've said it for a while, and where I will credit AEW is I think I think they're beginning to tweak their formula. But I think what Tony Khan relies a lot on is, here's a tournament, here's a belt, here's a thing like this, now we're doing this, now we're doing a casino battle royale, now we're doing a, a blind tag tournament. And a lot of it is on the, the, the tournaments, the stipulations, rather than the story. And I think that is the problem. There hasn't been a story to hook you in. And I know people will say um, that we saw the Blackpool Combat Club and... Uh, the the Young Bucks and, and Kenny Omega and the Elite, that didn't necessarily feel like a consistent story to me in the same way the Bloodline stuff did. But now we've got Cole and MJF, I think we're beginning to get a story. I think nothing sums up AW more than Forbidden Door. Because Forbidden Door was a brilliant wrestling show. But there was zero story in it. Do you know what I mean? Like, Omega vs. Osprey is one of the most sensational wrestling matches I've ever seen. And they've got a little bit of story because it was their second match. Danielson and Okada was as hard hit as it comes. By the way, dumb, tough mother Brian Danielson wrestling with that broken arm for 10 minutes. Because that wasn't a slight break. He snapped his arm into him and was wrestling. Unbelievable. And upon um, the label lock, which requires that arm. I just, just, you see. Don't get me started. It's just mental. The fact that he. Him tapping out Kazuchi Okada, that's a big moment. But that was it. Do you know what I mean? Like, there is no, we haven't built to that moment over three years. Like, honestly, if you said to a wrestler who haven't watched wrestling in the last few years but new stuff, Danielson tapping out Okada or Jey Uso pinning Roman Reigns, which is the bigger moment? Without the storyline, everyone's going, Danielson tapping out Okada. Because of the storyline, it's so easily Roman getting pinned by Jay, and that's where they're missing is. And I'm not saying it's hard to hold every bit of wrestling to the standard of the of the bloodline because the bloodline is the best we've seen in years. But unfortunately, they're going against it at the moment, and they haven't got any sort of long term booking like that. Now, the, like you say, we're getting the littlest bit in the world of MJF and Adam Cole are going against each other. And then, by the way, I really like this idea of this blind tag team tournament. I'm quite enjoying it as a concept because obviously it's not blind, but you get random people together. I hate it. I hate this concept. <laughs> What's happened since we've been away? Oh, it's hilarious. I, I, oddball tag teams are my favourite things um, when they're done right. I but, imagine that. Wait, sorry, just on this, because I don't want to let this thought pass. You are an athlete. Imagine if they were like, hey, Charlie, you know you go out every week and put your body on the line. Instead of actually doing it in a proper athletic way, we're just going to put some tumblers in a bowl and we're going to see who plays. And one week it could be the best in the world and the other week you could be partnered with, I don't know, the juice boy or the cleaner or whatever it is. Off you go. Like, what are they playing at? I'm really interested to know what sort of character the juice boy is, by the way. Um, but no. Well, I, if I had a gimmick, I would be the juice boy. Cape <laughs> mask. Like a weird, a weird version of Adam Sandler's Waterboy. Um, 
What you got to remember, though, Jack, is I don't want to break this to you. Wrestling's not actually real. Um, but no, I, what I, the point I wanted to make was they've given us another layer to the story of MJF and Adam Cole rather than just these two are wrestling each other for the title. And it's the first time they've done that in a long time. And it, it, it's automatically more interesting. And yes, it helps that Adam Cole, I'd almost forgotten, but he is still my favourite. I'd almost forgotten how much I love Adam Cole until he's back in this. And he's brilliant. And the little vignette that at the gym was very funny. I enjoyed it there. They they are telling a good story there, but it's the only one. And that that's what I hope. I hope the pennies drop in the AW that for as much as you give us these seven star Meltzer classics, actually a bit of long term story is gonna beat that every single time. And I know there'll be people listening to this saying there are stories if you just follow the dots. And so I I think you and I are both being unduly cruel when we say there is no story, but by what we mean by that is there is not an immediately latchable onto story that connects with and we are not casual fans but even more than a semi-casual fan um th- yeah. th- there just isn't and the ratings show that but i i i was looking at the mjf and adam cole stuff and i feel like what they've done is they've just gone okay just accept this is this is mjf's character for a bit we, we're just gonna there's about seven steps we needed to go through to get here but we've decided we just want to get here quickly so just go with us on it are you entertained? And actually, the main thing was watching those skits. I was entertained. I will be back to see where that goes next week. And that fulfills what we were after. Exactly. And him doing Adam Cole's entrance with him was sensational. Yeah. And let's not sniff at the fact that a company, what, in 2019 that didn't exist has sold 72,000 tickets to Wembley. Yeah. New, New Japan hasn't done that. No British promotion has done that. WCW never did that. TNA never did that. ECW never did that. There is one company that has done it, which is WWE. And now there is a second that is only four years old. And that is AEW. And that is a hell of an achievement. Oh, it's sensational. And it is only good for wrestling. And as much as there will be people who will say we're AEW bashers, especially me, and that you don't give it a chance. And I, I probably don't. I, I'm, I am a... I'm a WWE fan before I'm a wrestling fan. I, I will own that. WWE is my jam. By the way, NXT is really good again, in case we're not going to talk about it, but NXT is really good again, in case anyone wants to go and watch. Um, I am a WWE fan before I'm an AEW fan. But my God, I'm good. I won't be in England when AEW are at Wembley because that will be an unbelievable show. I've no doubt. And like I say, if you want to go and watch purely good wrestling, AEW is probably your best bet. They have some of the best wrestlers in the world. I, I really hope to goodness from that, from my fandom, they start to give me more reason where I've got to watch AW. At the moment, it doesn't come across my spectrum. I must watch this each week. You also say that you won't be in the UK when All In is on. Let's not discount the length of those shows. There is every chance. In... <laughs> if it starts now, I might be back. <laughs> you, you might be back for hour 48 of it or something like that. Well, look, it's been a hell of a time for wrestling, but as always on this podcast, we like to expand your knowledge to things outside of wrestling. Something... I wonder what it could be from everyday life is going back to developmental and something from everyday life is earning the push. Um, Charlie, just bear in mind, I know you're in Australia, but we are still covered by UK libel laws. What can you tell us about that's going back to developmental for you this week? So I just want to, I'm going to very calmly and very astutely without naming names, run you through the carnage of trying to get the Wi-Fi working here. Okay. Okay. Because that whole story is going back developmental. We're, we're... So we got we got here eight weeks ago and we're told where you're going to be living full-time is not quite ready yet. We're putting you in 
uh, temporary accommodation for a week. And that didn't have Wi-Fi sorted in it. And that was fine. That's not an issue. So then we ended up being there for two weeks, but that's okay. We move into our new flat, which is very nice. And there's no Wi-Fi box in here. So I go and speak to the people at the club and said, uh, can we get a Wi-Fi box, please? Um, and they said, yep, no worries. We'll get that to you later this week. That took 10 days. Happens. Here we go. We've got the Wi-Fi box. It's only been, it's under a month. Bang, we're in. Plug it in. It's not working. Takes me a good 10 days to get replies from the right people of why it's not working. Find out it's not working because hilariously in Australia, you have to have two boxes. Don't know why. Don't ask me why, but you do. You need a black box as well as your normal box. We have whoever, and the black boxes should be in every house in Australia. So they're like, you can't find the black box. Go and find it. I turn our apartment upside down. There is no black box in this apartment. I'm telling you there is not one. No one at the club believes me because every place in Australia has one, but there isn't one. Finally, someone from the club comes round and goes, oh yeah, it should be there. There's not one there. We'll have to order you a new one. Basically, the people who've left the, the place last time for some reason have taken it with them when they don't need to. Anyway, that then takes another week to arrive. It finally arrives. I plug it in. I do everything it tells me in the uh, book. Plug it in. You've got to get four green lights for it to work. I've got three. The fourth one is just blinking at me. It is mocking me, this fourth green light. It says in the book it could take up to 24 hours for it to work, so I think nothing of it. 24 hours pass, not working. Four hours pass, not working. After five days, I'm like, I'm going to ask someone about this. The guy's like, oh yeah, it could take up to a week for that to get working. So I'm like, right. After eight days, the green light stops blinking. My my, uh, my girlfriend shouted, it stopped blinking! <laughs> Honestly, she went berserk. Like, boom, here we go. Plug it in, bam, bam, bang, connect. It connects, I'm like, beautiful. Won't work. It will not work. So then I text the guy at the club, we're like, it's still not working. We're now six and a half weeks, seven weeks in. He's like, oh, here's the link to troubleshooting it. Honestly, try all the things the link. It's not working. I was doing more technical stuff. I like, I was inputting router codes into my laptop. I've never done this in my life. In the end, I just text the person. I was like, I can't get this working. Please, can you come round and just have a look and help? He's like, oh, okay, I'll come round. This man came round and fixed it in three minutes. And I was just like, we could have, we could have got to that a lot sooner. Anyway, it's working. It still will sometimes just cut out randomly. And touch wood, it hasn't happened yet on our podcast. I used to have to do the classic on off and it works again. But you know what? I can live with that. I can live with missing two minutes of the ashes because I've got to turn it on and off. I can live with it. But that whole, and honestly, the number of messages I've had to send you, you Jack, I'm be like, I'm sorry, I can't do this week. It's still not working out. Maybe you thought I was just doing a really weird long breakup with you where, where you were going to see me launching a podcast with someone else and I just wasn't telling you. There, there were points where you were like, it's not working. And then I saw you almost immediately after post a picture of you at the beach with a couple of beers. And I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, I, I trust this man. I do trust it. Well, we were wondering what saga would come close to the bloodline. We now know that your seven week Wi-Fi saga, um, that certainly deserves to go back to developmental. It's our first Australian back to developmental as well. Have you got anything that is earning the push for you? Uh, yes, a few things that I have to throw out there. Um, Gloucester Harbour and my sister won the English Premiership. Hey, Brilliant, well done. Uh, they also had 10,000 people at the final, which is awesome because 12 months ago there was 3,000 people there, so it shows the growth in women's rugby in the UK and around the world. That is awesome. Uh, over here, um, three things I'd like to give the push from over here. First of all, this isn't even a push, this is just hilarious, I think. You know what their main supermarket is called? Woolworths, which obviously brings back all sorts of memories from when I was a kid with Woolworths in England. It's not the same. Woolworths is like Waitrose over here. 
They have three supermarkets. It's Woolworths, Coles, and Aldi. There's three over here. And Woolworths is like Waitrose. So obviously, my better half likes shopping there for her food. I go to Coles. Uh, but it just, it, it made me laugh that it's called Woolies. Uh, you are working for it. Do you go, I'm going to Coles, baby? No, but oh my God, I will every time oh, now. I, who even is this now? Jack, I'm going to send you a video of me walking in there. I've got to go get some food after this and me shouting, Adam Coles, baby. I'm going to do that. That's, that will come That will come the next hour to you on WhatsApp. Um, what else is that? Um, oh, I would like to give a push to the price of petrol over here. Would you like to know how much it cost me per litre to fill up my car here? Oh, I, you know I don't care about these things, but go on, tell me. 86p. What? Yeah, it's just remarkably cheap petrol over here. That's good. Yes. Um, and then finally, uh, the Whitsunday Islands up on the north of Australia and the north east. Uh, we went, we were very lucky to go for five days and they are genuinely the most stunning place I've been in my life. It is just, it's like, it, it, I, it's like paradise. I was having a beer on Whitehaven Beach. I was like, this is genuinely as close to paradise as I'm ever going to get. So I'd like to give that the push. So... There's my things for the push. That's a, a quick run through of my life in Australia so far. Petrol, woolies, and a beer on the beach. And I've played some rugby as a job. And you did your job. All very worthy. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually just let you have the back to developmental slot this week. Wow. Because I wow. think you had a lot to get through. For me, I'm going to give a very quick earning the push. Just being back with this podcast. We've missed yeah. it. We've missed it. So for everyone who's bared with us, who's dropped us messages, we thank you for bearing with us. But we are back, baby. Um, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. He's Charlie underscore Beckett on Twitter. I'm Jack underscore Merley. Before we go, final question. What is your best prediction as to what happens with Roman Reigns at his trial uh, this evening on SmackDown? How? I really don't know. Um, I don't think anyone turns on tonight. I don't think Solo turns on tonight. I don't think. I could be wrong. Solo could go and join his brothers tonight. I don't know. I'm going to give you a long-term prediction, though. I think we get, after what they said to Ayo Thawani, I think we get Jay versus Jimmy at WrestleMania this year. Oh. I think Jimmy turns on Jay at some point in the year, maybe in the Rumble, maybe he costs him the match at SummerSlam out of jealousy. I don't know, but I think we get that at Mania. I bet they have to do a War Games at some point. And I bet that's yeah. where a turn happens. That's where it will be. Well, look, we will find Ooh, out. You could see, sorry, look, you could see Jay, Jimmy, Sammy and KO being a team for war games. Against who do you put them up with, though? So no idea. Roman. Maybe Heyman <laughs> brings in a couple of ringers. Sort of a new <laughs> show. Maybe Heyman. We've all, we've all thought it. There's the enforcer of the bloodline. Maybe Paul Heyman. <laughs> Look, it's been great being back. Remember that you can support this podcast by telling other people who love wrestling about what we do here. But for today, we are out of time. Thank you for listening to Earning the Push, and we will see you again very soon. Until then, for Charlie and myself, bye-bye. <laughs>